0: The Breakdown Politics With Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies Telling you what you need to know regarding politics Breaking it down Politics. And welcome to another episode of Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies, bringing you the news you can use so you don't lose when it comes to this game of Politrix. Merck, do your thing.
1: All right, all right. I, I got to tell you right now, off the bat, this might this is probably going to be a short show. I'm not feeling all that well. It feels like there's a bowling ball in my stomach. I got issues. I'm not going to go to details, but um. I was gonna table it this week, but there was one thing I did wanna talk about. Well, two things. So I'm just gonna jump right into it. Uh, the whole thing with Neera Tandon withdrawing her nomination to be on, the, uh, on that budget committee, I will tell you this. I'm gonna keep this part short because i talked about her in detail about pretty much how horrible she is. She's very anti-progressive, uh, you know, and in her uh, Center for American Progress is little more than basically just providing a cover Uh, for dark money for corporations to get influence in Washington. okay. But uh, Joe Biden was fighting to get her nominated. And then MSNBC was basically just trying to play the whole identity politics BS. And they were just like, yeah, you know, uh, if you don't, you know, because they were leaning on Joe Manchin. Now, Bernie Sanders was on the fence. He didn't come out and say, I'm not voting for Neera But he was on defense. He wasn't definite. Joe Manchin said he definitely was not going to vote for her, incited her mean emails and partisan stuff. I will say this, and I'm not going to say too much more about Nera Tandon, if if your reason for voting against Nera Tandon was going to be her mean emails, then I will, Agree with the uh, the social justice warriors and say that it's about that that you're just sexist, because you can't get on her for her mean emails and then support Donald Trump, who is a king of all trolls online. So you just can't do that. Now, if you're a leftist like me, basically your hatred—well, I'm not going to say hatred; that's a strong word. Your dislike of Tandon. Is probably based on policy because we leftists are big on policy, unlike our Republican counterparts. So, if your reason was because of Neera Tannen's horrible policies and all this horrible stuff she's done in the past, policy wise, as the leader of the American uh, Center for American Progress, then I would deem that to be a good reason to be against her.
0: If you're just mad because
1: she hurt your feelings on Twitter, oh then you're a snowflake. Now granted, we got the desired effect. She pulled her nomination, but it doesn't make you any less of a snowflake if your only reason for being against Neera is because she hurt your feelings on Twitter. Like for a leftist to say that we're mad of her of her mean tweets, have you read our Twitter feeds? We're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> We will, if if you mess up, like you're like a Ted Cruz or a a Candace Owens, we will cut you to the bone on Twitter. So mean tweets don't really affect us. Policy affects us. So for all these people who are just so, you know, like butthurt over her mean tweets, you're doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons, okay? Which brings us to our main subject, my main man, Fitty grand, Joe Biden. Let me explain something to you about Joe Biden, OK? What I've been talking about for like the last, I don't know, year about Joe Biden, Joe Biden doesn't really. Joe Biden got his shine basically because of Obama, because before Obama, no one liked Joe Biden. Either, either you didn't like him or you never heard of him. Or if you're you know, like me, didn't really connect it until after he was vice president and be like, wait, that's the crime bill guy? That's the bankruptcy bill guy, you know, because, you know, I, I was caught up in all the, you know, the Obama stuff with Joe Biden. I liked Joe Biden when he was Obama's vice president. I used to call him Jolting Joe, you know, because he was that jolt of energy, you know. And then afterwards, when he started to really study him, and then he just realized, damn, I'm a sucker because Joe Biden is absolutely freaking horrible. Um, here's the thing, okay? A lot of my friends who voted for Joe Biden, who are leftists, they didn't do it really expecting all that much. They did it because it was just Joe Biden. Like Democrats are funny because they were just like, yeah, you know, I'd vote for a can of beans over Donald Trump. And then they voted for a literal can of beans (laughs) because that's basically all Joe Biden is, is just a can of beans. He's basically just bare bones functional. As a president, now he did do a couple of good things this week. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna totally trash him. Number one, he ramped up the uh, the coronavirus uh, vaccine production. Now I know, I know how you must, how some people, especially African Americans, how how y'all feel about. I say y'all like I'm not African American. How we feel about vaccinations, you know and especially the fact that they came out so yeah, quick. Hey,
0: like you like, what the fuck is you?
1: <laughs> Basically, I said, y'all, like, I'm not African-American. Like, i am not as Black as the ace of spades. But um, here's the thing. All you got to do is look up, if you're not Black and you're listening to this and you want to know why Black people are so apprehensive about stuff like that, just look up the Tuskegee experiment, right? And just look up how many people went to prison over people... Uh, Experimenting on African Americans for decades. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert and save you some research. It was zero. Nobody went to prison for it. So they investigated all these years and nobody went to prison. So that kind of thing still sticks with people. Okay. Especially now, here's the thing the reason why they're trying to make the push so hard in the African American communities is because that's where coronavirus is hitting the hardest. I think the only people as, as a percentage who are being hit harder by coronavirus is Native Americans and, uh, and Hispanics. You know, But basically, communities of color are being devastated by coronavirus. Michael Che on Saturday Night Live had a joke, half joke and half serious, I guess. He said that, um, that African-Americans who get coronavirus, you know, their lives are pretty much going to be shortened by about three years. And Michael J was like, coronavirus is, is hurt the black community so much it was suspended with pay. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That sounds about right, you know. But here's the thing. Joe Biden, his original projection was to get everybody, have enough doses to vaccinate everybody by July. Now they bought more doses and now they're trying to push it up to May. And that is a good thing, you know. We gotta, we gotta get vaccinated if we're gonna get back to normal because you got states like Texas and Mississippi who are just like, yeah, we're normal now. You know, first of all, Texas and Mississippi were never normal, okay? Second of all, it's too soon to just throw away all the mask mandates because even though our numbers are going down, they're still really high. We're a long way from not having to wear masks. And in, in states like Texas, where they don't really practice those mandates in the first place, now all those extra strains that are becoming resistant to the vaccinations are starting to crop up in places like Texas. So uh, it's too soon to just throw away the mask mandate. And of course, you know, I mean, like I said, when when they win elections in Texas, it's not like they're not winning 99% of the vote. You know, and I'll go over that in a moment, but it's and the other good thing that Joe Biden did, even though he did it in kind of an off way, is that he warned, he gave a warning to Amazon, even though he didn't mention Amazon by name, because in, uh, I didn't have this in my notes, but in uh, one of the warehouses, I think it's in Alabama, don't quote me on that, Blue, they are trying to unionize their warehouse. And you know Amazon is obviously against unions. Now Amazon gave a whole bunch of money to Joe Biden. I think they gave like a million dollars for the inauguration. They were going to uh, partner up to help them with the vaccinations. So you know, basically Biden was uh, you know, in their pocket, but Biden gave a warning So he mentioned the state that this was happening, but he did not mention Amazon by name, but he did give a warning about interfering with places that are trying to start unions because Joe Biden has boasted that he is pro-union. So this was actually a pretty big step, but we'll see what happens. But just the fact that he came out and said that is probably going to be a boost to those who were trying
0: to start the unions. Now, you know, he didn't, he didn't mention it by name because he knows that would have Directly impacted the stock prices of Amazon, which would have caused a windfall, downfall. Yes. In um, the stock market. And let's just Absolutely. be totally honest. It's a bigger gain than what we see with our eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: You know. And I mean, and that's why I'm not president, because I'd have been like, I'd have been, it'd have been like a, a Ric Flair interview, <laughs> me getting on Amazon about trying to bust up unions. Because, I mean, Don't take my word for it. Just look up how much better America was doing when they had higher union membership. Tim Wise, who is a, I don't even know what you want to call him, but you could check out his channel on, on YouTube he actually made a, uh, a point about unions and about how they kind of messed up back in the 50s by not allowing Black people into their, uh, into their unions. And he said, you could have almost doubled your union membership and become even stronger than you were and been more resistant to being taken apart you know, later on down the line. Because Republicans in the 50s were all about unions. Why do you think those factory jobs were paying so well? Why it's how somebody could raise a family of six on a, on a factory job? Because those factory jobs were union jobs. So the fact that Joe Biden, even though he's not calling Amazon out by name, the fact that he came out in a, in a, in a, a speech defending unions and defending that warehouse's right to unionize, uh, that was a big thing. Because you got to give credit where credit's due. But the one thing you need that you need to remember about Joe Biden is that he's not really about that life, that progressive life. He never was. And when, when, the, uh, when idiots like Dr. Jason Johnson or uh, Joanne Reed or all the other talking heads on MSNBC, whose names I don't know because they're so generic, it's like sheets of paper towels over there. <laughs> it, one, it, they're just all the same over there. But um, it's basically, he was never about that life because when you think about it, he was never for Medicare for all, never. He was never for wiping out student debt, or even the fifty thousand dollars off of student debt, which would help a tremendous amount of people. Uh, he was never for that either, because when he said when Elizabeth Warren and um, Chuck Schumer said fifty thousand, he said ten thousand. You know, so Biden was never about that life. The only thing I think he mentioned was I was trying to find a clip of him trying to support the $15 minimum wage, and then they ended up not supporting the $15 minimum wage. Now, Bernie Sanders was on Young Turks either last night or the night before, and Jen Cuger asked him, are you going to bring the $15 minimum wage to a vote? And Bernie Sanders said yes, that he's going to bring it to a vote. Now, Bernie Sanders is like budget chairman over there, so he decides what goes into the budget. The big thing was... And I I will say this, most people, myself included, didn't know what a parliamentarian was until this whole $15 minimum wage debacle happened. So basically, they give opinions on what should and should not be in a budget that could go through reconciliation. If it's something that has to do with the budget, it goes through a process called reconciliation, which makes it uh, filibuster-proof. All you need is a simple majority. Now, right now, the Senate is split 50-50. With Kamala Harris as the, uh, as the tying vote. Well, the, you know, the, uh, the deciding vote, if it goes 50 50. So if it goes to reconciliation, right? Because reconciliation is how the Republicans passed their tax cuts, they passed it through reconciliation. So it was filibuster proof. So basically it has to be something that affects the budget either negatively or positively it can be part of reconciliation. So the parliamentarian is saying that the $15 minimum wage does not meet that requirement. Here's the problem with the parliamentarian. It's just their opinion. It's like, if you hired a consultant to review your business you don't have to do what that consultant says, okay? Cause you hired them basically just to give a review. You don't have to follow their advice. Now in this case, they're just somebody, I don't even know who appoints the parliamentarian, really. I didn't even look that far into it. But the vice president, Kamala Harris, could just easily override the parliamentarian. Now Bernie Sanders is in a tough spot because that $15 minimum wage is tied to the relief package, the $1.9 trillion relief package. So if you have people like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema who are gonna vote against it, right? Even with, even with that majority, he had to take it out because he, we can't delay that anymore. It's bad enough that with all the shenanigans in the Senate, people aren't gonna see that money until the end of the month to begin with. But if they had to fight over the $15 minimum wage, but Bernie Sanders says, hey, we're gonna bring it to a vote and we're gonna find out who's for what. Now we know all the Republicans are gonna vote against a $15 minimum wage. That's pretty much a given because let's face it, they're terrible human beings. But now we'll see if Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are really going to vote against their people because who could really, I mean, for me, for me personally, if they raise the, the minimum wage of $15, I still make more than that. And that's not bragging because I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not living my vita loca here, <laughs> right? But uh, it would still lift over 30 million people out of poverty. Now, when they talk about job losses, someone made a great point where they were like, well, there's going to be job losses. If wait, people- wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 Before you go to that point. Yes. Sir. I thought the $15 raise was just for federal employees. No. That only it- the states can control their federal- their rate, their on um, rate. Now, states can control their rate, but they can't go below the federal
1: rate. So right now the federal rate is only, I think what, seven twenty-five dollars an hour or something like that. So they can't go below the rate, but if they want to go higher, like there are some places like in Washington, Washington state where it's $15 an hour and Florida just voted for $15 an hour in the last election. But of course the Republicans are trying to gum up those works and try to put stipulations on it because that's what they do, you know, but, um. Yeah, there's a federal minimum, but then states can go above that if they want. So usually the people will vote on it and then they can go above that minimum wage. So if you pull up a list of it, the minimum wage is almost different in just about every state, you know? But they can't can't go below the federal minimum. Chris Rock said it best. He said the minimum wage basically just means I'd pay you less if I could, but it would be against the law. (laughs) <laughs> so, but um, here's the thing about the, about the minimum wage, right? In places where the minimum wage has gone to $15, there is absolutely no proof that the economy was broken because of it, right? Now, a lot of places who have had it have only had it for like a few years. So there's still more studies to be done, but I mean, there was no short-term effect like there was um, somebody tried to make a point online about how if you raise the minimum wage of $15, like tacos are going to be like, uh, you know, um, $12 a piece or something like that. And somebody who lived in a state that had $15 minimum wage was like, yeah, my state has $15 minimum wage. And the highest taco on the menu at Taco Bell is $3.40. So this whole thing about a $15 minimum wage destroying the economy, what it will do is it'll cut into profits of all these big companies, but these big companies can easily afford it. If Jeff Bezos is worth over $100 billion, why can he not afford to pay people minimum, a $15 minimum wage? Now he does. Okay, He does pay people $15 minimum wage, but we found out uh, last month that he is stealing tips at least from his drivers. I can't say for his warehouse workers. Like for the warehouse workers to supplement the fact that he paid them $15 an hour minimum wage, he took away their stock options. They had these little stock option things and he took that away. And then for the drivers like who drive for like, um, like Uber, like a, for Amazon Fresh and stuff like that, he was basically taking their tips saying, oh, you weren't getting a tip and then using the tips to supplement their salaries. So I think I have to look more into the suit that was brought up, but they had to pay like millions of people in, uh, in tips that they had gotten and you know, that Amazon literally stole from them. Okay, But my thing is this, okay? You figure Joe Biden is the president, but Joe Biden doesn't have a mandate. Now I know what some people are thinking. Of course he has a mandate. Because Joe Biden won by, I don't know, 7 million votes against Donald Trump. So you figured Donald Trump had 12 million more votes than he got last time. And he still, still got beat by 7 million votes. So of course he has a mandate. He would have a mandate if this country ran elections on the popular vote. Because remember, if we ran on a popular vote, there would never be a President George Bush Jr. There would never be a President Trump. Because both of those elections, they both lost a popular vote. Trump lost a popular vote by 3 million votes, and he still won because we go by the Electoral College. Okay, So in this election that just passed, Joe Biden had 306 electoral votes. Trump had 232 electoral votes. Let's take four swing states. I was looking at a fifth swing state, which was Michigan. But I'm not going to use Michigan because Michigan, Biden won pretty handily. He won by 154,000 votes, which is uh, which is a good-sized number. I don't, I don't think they had a recount in Michigan. So you figure it like this, OK? Let's take four swing states. Okay. Let's take Georgia, 16 electoral votes. Let's take Pennsylvania, 20 electoral votes. Let's take Arizona, 11 electoral votes. And Wisconsin, 10 electoral votes. Let me explain something to people before I get into this about this whole thing about, uh, you know, we need the electoral college because if not, states like Montana don't ma- would, would, would not matter. States like Montana don't matter. When was the last time you heard, oh, yeah, President so-and-so was campaigning in Montana? Or North Dakota or South Dakota? All these states that are worth two or three electoral votes apiece. If you have a red state, a deep red state, that is three electoral votes, you think somebody's going to bust their ass to go over and and try to swing three electoral votes? Get the fuck out of here. Nobody's doing that. No one's wasting that type of money. But if you're worth 16 electoral votes like Georgia... Yeah, they'll be there. If you're in a double digits, they'll you're worth their time. If you're not in a double digits, you can kick rocks until your feet bleed. No one gives a shit about you. The only way they would give a shit about you is if there was no electoral college where every single vote counted. Then you would matter. So basically you're being told the exact opposite of what's really out there. Because then they would campaign in Montana because every vote would count. So let's go back to this thing here, right? You figure between Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Wisconsin, right? All those together, that's 57 electoral votes between those four states. Okay. If you took that away from Joe Biden and added that to Trump's number, Joe Biden would have 249 electoral votes. Trump would have 289. You need 270 to win. So. If those swung over to uh, Trump, Trump would have won the election. Right. Now, how many votes are we talking here total between those four states? Okay. Georgia, basically, their 16 electoral votes, they won by 11,779 votes. I actually did the math on this. Right. Now, Pennsylvania was a little bit more, 81,660. And that's basically because you know, by the time they got in all those mail-in ballots back in, right? It, it kind of, cause it was, it was a lot thinner before, but then they got all the rest of the mail-in ballots back and it ended up being like 80,000 votes. Arizona, Biden won by uh, 10,000 electoral votes. Wisconsin, he won by 20,000, right? Altogether for those four states, that's 124,000 votes. So you figure over, now let's just put this in perspective, okay? New York and their 29 electoral votes, Biden won that state by 1.9 million votes. California and their 55 electoral votes, Biden won that state by 5.1 million votes. For four states, Biden won by 124,000 votes. The town I live in has 160,000 people in it. So that is not a mandate at all. Biden barely won. So people are looking at the electoral vote. Put it like this. Biden won by 7 million votes, right? Between California and New York, that's 7 million votes. Now, of course, there's the, the wax and wane of all the other states. So it's not like just those votes are just the, uh, the total. But put in perspective, 124,000 votes. So you're talking about if you go by the amount of people who voted, right? Well, put it like this. If you take it the total of... And what did I say, what did, I, what, 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 what did my math say? Between those, between New York and California, right? You had 7 million votes, 7,077,597 uh, votes, right? If you do that as a percentage between what Biden won by, you're talking about 0.017% of the vote. Not even 1%. And, I, and that's just by the difference between New York and California. That's not including everybody that voted in the election. And I'm just talking about the people who voted for Biden and, um, and Trump. I am not even talk about who voted for Green Party, uh, who voted for Libertarians, and all the other parties that actually were in there. We're just talking about the, the main two parties. So Joe Biden didn't win in this landslide like the jackasses on MSNBC want you to think. Joe Biden won the election by 124,000 votes, which is nothing. He barely won, which means he does not have a mandate which means that in order for him to stay in power, now granted, when I say him, I mean the Democrats, because Biden's not gonna run again in 2024, let's face it. There's already, there's already a dead pool to see if Biden's gonna make it to the end of this term. So it's really all about Kamala Harris. If Kamala Harris was smart, and she is definitely book smart, because I mean, she she's, has a lot of major accomplishments. i about politically, if she was politically smart, she would force Joe Biden's hand to do something huge this year. Whether it's student debt relief at the $50,000, whether it's uh, Medicare for all, which I know is never gonna happen because Joe is 100% against it. If it's a $15 minimum wage to lift 30 million people out of poverty. if If he did something big, 2022 would be a wrap. And then if they do something big again in those last two years, then guess what? Kamala Harris will be president, You'd if Trump ran again, because she would have something to run on. She would have an accomplishment to put up on a poster board and say, look at what we did and look how much more we can do for you if you keep us in power. But if they fucked us up, and I gotta tell you right now, they're fucking us up. They're fucking up Royal. If they screwed us up, it's done. 2022 is gonna be a bloodbath And if Joe Biden loses the House and the Senate, which they barely have in the first place, put it like this, that um, the relief package barely passed the House with, what, 10 votes? It was a close vote because every Republican voted against it and two Democrats jumped ship to vote against it. So they have thin majorities in the House and Senate, and all it would take is for nothing to happen between now and 2022 for them to lose it all. So this whole notion of this Joe Biden mandate is basically just MSNBC horseshit. There is no mandate. Okay. It's basically just Joe Biden... Winning by a number that does not matter. The popular vote does not matter, because if it mattered, Al Gore would have been president, Hillary Clinton would have been president, if that mattered. Which it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So Biden needs to do something big, okay? All, all, my, all my goofy ass centrist friends are just like, well, you know, Joe, like we're no longer the laughing stock of the world. That's great, I guess, if it was a popularity contest. But it's not, because for a lot of people, life is really real every day. And you vote for people because you put them in office and you want them to use the government to help you make your life a little easier so that when you go to work every day, you have something to show for it at the end of your life, or even at, the end of your, even at the end of your shift. If they're not gonna do that, no one's gonna stand in line for nine hours to help you out, to help you stay in power if you're not gonna do something for them. So let's see if Joe Biden learns that lesson the hard way. You know what? It doesn't even matter about Joe Biden, because Joe Biden's not gonna run again. Let's see if Kamala Harris learns that lesson because it's really on her. Because she wants to run in 2024, she better make it to 2022 with the the House and Senate intact or else it ain't gonna happen. It is not going to happen. I said I was keeping it short today and I'm gonna keep my word because I really need to go to bed. Ah, I, I, Mercedes said next week we're going to have a guest on on the show. I don't have any details yet, but we'll see what happens. I, we'll, we'll see if this is going to be a fighting guest or a talking guest. We'll have to see.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking um, Van and I were talking about, you know, we have a show called um, A Man's Perspective and we're thinking about having a guest every other week and maybe we can do something like that for politics. There really shouldn't be an issue of finding guests. There's a lot of politically minded people. It's just a matter of, Putting out the olive branch to, to invite them on.
1: Yeah, and a matter of fact, I, I'm I'm extending a uh, invite. You know, I always talk about uh, another show on YouTube, uh, "Waking the Giant" with uh with Nat Turner. You know, and like I said, just look up Nat Turner "Waking the Giant," and you'll find his channel. And I'm I'm gonna extend to him uh an open invitation, like whenever we're taping, man, just come on through. You
0: know, sounds good. So. But Mr. Blue, what are your final thoughts today? My final thoughts is, you know, email, phone call, tweet, tweet. Oh, they hate that. Yeah. Matter of fact, just do that. Don't even worry about the other measures. Tweet your ass off regarding what you want from these representatives. And you know, make some phone calls, emails, send some physical letters. They probably won't get open. They're probably scared of that, you know, anthrax and all. But um, and just make a noise. because the quiet get stomped on and those that make noise make things happen it may not it may not happen and there can be no all and all switch i guarantee it but some change will come but we have to be verbal they expect us to be quiet they expect us to be silenced they thrive on that fuck that make a noise yeah and when
1: you do reach out to these people please be civil so this way they'll at least listen to what you have to say you don't have to be an ass kisser but just don't be vulgar just don't curse people out
0: you know, and do not threaten. Please don't.
1: Definitely threaten. not. We don't want to see you go to, because you will go to jail if you threaten an elected official. So please don't threaten them. If you want to threaten them with something, threaten them with voting them out of office, but please no physical threats to any elected official or their family. Just yes. let them know exactly what you want them to do. And here's the thing, even if they're not reading it, they, I mean, I found out when I called uh, Richard Burr's office a couple of years back, there's people that answer the phones for him and then they take all this stuff down. I spoke to one of his representatives uh, a few years ago and uh, I talked to them for like five minutes about what I wanted and they were just, I mean, I couldn't hear them writing stuff down, but you know, they do have people who answer, some of them have people who answer phones for them. And I was kind of shocked because I thought I was gonna leave a message, but no, I actually, actually talked to a person. So it, it's, it's not a waste of your time to reach out to your elected officials at all so but mr blue play us off sir
0: yes if you haven't already please subscribe to the urban breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as Politrix with mercer prescott and his band of eclectic cronies available on all podcast apps every single no i'm lying but anyways just look at it for any podcast streaming apps and get, it, get at us. Subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast, featuring hit shows such as Politrix with Mercer Prescott and 360 Degrees. Um, if you feel like you want to be a guest, please hit us in the DM or please hit us on social media under the same umbrella because we would love having discussions with other people. And though we love the sound of our own voices, we love the sound of other people's voices too. Uh-huh. Be well and be great. And avoid pilot tricks. not the podcast, but the tricks that the politicians are playing on us. Can you dig it? show sure you can. We out. Hey. Mm-hmm.